Christmas is all about new beginnings, isn't it? I mean, it's really a birth. That's what it is. So it's not only a birth, though. It's also, it's a seed of hope. And it's the inception of a completely new idea. It's the opening scene of a new story, and it's the first step in a whole new way of life. It's God's commencement of agape love, and it's his invasion of light into darkness. It's the dawn of God's final redemption of mankind. It's also the first shot in the great and final battle, and it's the initiation of his new kingdom. It's the introduction, of course, to the king. It's the incarnation of God in human flesh. And it's the advent of the chosen one. Because this, as we know, is the birth of Jesus. And so it's all about new beginnings. I actually think that a great tagline for Christmas would just be, in quotes, and so it begins, dot, dot, dot. You know? And and that would be it. You know, uh, if you were here on Sunday, you heard us talk a little bit about Caesar Augustus. Uh, Luke, in the, in the beginning of chapter 2, of course, says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. And we talked about how Caesar Augustus had proclaimed that he had brought peace and justice to mankind, which is kind of laughable, of course. But, you know, uh, the way that he rose to power was really interesting. Augustus, he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And when Julius Caesar died, there were a number of heirs. And Augustus wanted the throne. And so what he did was he took to annihilating all the other heirs so that he could have the throne. And you might know of Marcus Anthony and that whole story when he finally loses the battle and he decides to take his own life. And so there's no heirs left. And all there is is Augustus. And he establishes himself on the throne and he expands the kingdom of Rome. And when he gets it all done at the end, this is what he says. He declares that everyone has to worship Julius Caesar as a god. And of course, if Julius Caesar is God, what does that make Augustus? The son of God. And of course, he calls himself at that point the son of God. And everyone has to refer to him as the Lord. And what's more is he proclaims to all of the Roman Empire that he is the savior of mankind and he has brought peace and justice to the earth. Isn't that a little bit ironic? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken and everyone would go to their hometown. And so this little baby still in the mother's womb makes the trek down to Bethlehem. And there under Caesar Augustus' nose is born his king, whether he knows it or not. And while he proclaims himself as the son of God, the son of God's truly born right there in his kingdom, unbeknownst to him. I love it. I love it. The irony is thick in it. And of course, some might say, well, maybe the language that Jesus used was just stolen from Augustus. And if we thought that, we'd miss the humor of God. (laughs) You know, we'd miss how God works, the irony of God. Jesus, of course, was the king of all kings, and he is almighty God, and he's the prince of peace. And here's the real key about Jesus. The increase of his government will know no end. There will never stop being an increase of the government of Jesus Christ. So when he was born, it birthed the beginning 
of a government that would only expand. N.T. Wright, the uh, Anglican bishop in, in England, he, you know, he says this beautiful thing about Augustus, this observation. He says, you know, uh, Augustus might never have known about Jesus from Nazareth, but within a century, his successors who were emperors of Rome were trying to annihilate Jesus' followers. Why? Because they served a king so powerful that they were terrified of those followers. Because Jesus' followers and Jesus' kingdom was much more powerful. Within roughly three generations of Augustus, the emperors of Rome were bowing their knee in worship of this king. And they were proclaiming Jesus as their king. See, this is the thing, is there was never really a question about who was going to win the clash of cultures. When Jesus comes in as the king, there was never a question about who was going to win. When the kingdom of heaven invades the kingdom of men, it's not like it was a tough battle. I mean, sure, it was hard for Jesus to go to the cross, and it was excruciating, and we can't even imagine. But it's not like it was ever in question who was going to win. When light invades darkness, darkness just disappears. You see, Jesus had the power and there was going to be a takeover. That's the way it was going to be. And it could have been a quick invasion. It could have been a hostile takeover that, and in a minute, it was all gone like a bomb being dropped and he just wins and it's over. But see, the thing is, is that he's also a confident king and a kind king and he wants to be patient because he wants to be benevolent because he wants to win the hearts of men and of women. And so... He doesn't come with fireworks. He just comes in this little stable and he starts something. And he knows where it's going to end. Frederick Buechner, another guy who I really love to read, he says this about the advent. I love it. I love it. Listen to what he says. Incarnation is kind of a vast joke where the creator of all mankind comes to us in diapers. You know, and it's the truth. I mean, here the creator of Augustus, the creator of Mary, the creator of Judas, the creator of us, whatever. He comes, the vast one, the one who creates all the stars and who created the star that shone over Bethlehem. He's the one who created it all. And he shows up to us in swaddling clothes in a manger. We got to see the humor in that a little bit, you know? I mean, of course, we see the profundity of it. You know, we look at Philippians 2 and we realize, like, yes, Jesus emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. And what kind of humility does this king have? And and how deep and rich is his love? And how is he willing to serve us? It's unbelievable. And, And we focus on that all the time. But sometimes I think we miss the humor. We miss the humor of how ironic this actually is that when there's some Roman emperor who's calling himself the son of God and Lord and savior of the world and bringing peace and justice, that the man who created, that the God who created him shows up in diapers in front of him, you know, and starts a movement just by being born and then going and hanging on the cross that that guy made, you know, and in the process of that, he changes the world forever and he does it like you know, because he created the world. And it's just sometimes we miss the humor because we think God's like us. You know, we kind of put him on our level. And to us, that seems horrific, you know, that he would be born in a stable in Bethlehem. But he's so confident, you know. And for him, this is child's play. I mean, it's hard work. It hurt bad. And he felt all the pain that we do. But on the other hand, like, there was never a question. He was going to win. He decided. 
And I kind of think that God laughs. And it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, like in the children's movies, like Shrek or some other movie like that, where there's like adult humor laced into a children's movie. And I'm not necessarily a fan of all that because lots of times it might be inappropriate humor. But I think in the Bible sometimes there's humor that we just miss because we're down here and we don't get what it would look like for God of mankind to say, hey guys, how about I go show up in diapers? You know, and you know, there's something funny about that. There really is. There's something incredibly humble about it. But when he's that humble and when he's that immense and when he's that confident, there's also something pretty funny about it. And the reason is because there was never a question. There was never a question. There was only one king. There only ever will be one king. You know, I was uh, getting ready for church the other day, um, a a couple weeks ago. And as I was getting ready, the, the tune um, this, this song started going through my head and it, it was just one line that kept repeating. And at first I didn't realize the tune, but the tune was the tune to, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And the phrase was just this. It was just, there is only one King. There is only one King. There is only one King. Jesus. You mind singing that with me? There is only one king. There is only one king. There is only one king. Jesus. Close your eyes. Let's do it one more time. Picture him in a manger. And you're standing there with the shepherds. And we'll just pretend that the shepherds and the wise men were there at the same time. (laughs) and we'll sing it along with the three wise kings. (laughs) There is only one king. There is only one king. There is only one king. Jesus. And so it began the invasion of light into darkness. And so it'll also end, actually. Revelation tells us, it's already prophesied how it will end. And this is how it goes, Revelation eleven fifteen to 19. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. I love this. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder, an earthquake and a great hailstorm. And so 2,000 years ago, it began. And as it turns out, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. 
It will always increase and it will always grow and he will always reign as king and it will only get bigger and his power will only be revealed more. But there is an end for us and our end is really sure and it's like those who all went before us. You know, we have the same end. The Lord tarries. And what's that end? It's that we'll be under a gravestone somewhere, you know, for our bodies. But our spirits, our spirits will be in front of the living God for it is appointed for man once to die and after that the judgment. And as we stand in front of the Lord, there will be a question. And it will be a simple question that was asked of us our entire life. And it manifests in all sorts of different ways, but it goes something like this. Will we look to Augustus or will we look to Jesus? Will we do the best we can or will we give him all that we are? Will we ignore the words of this prophet John who spoke to us about what will happen in the end, much like they ignored the prophet Isaiah when he prophesied what would happen in Bethlehem? Or will we decide, like a bunch of humble shepherds who are broken and in need of a king and a shepherd, to go and kneel in front of a manger, in front of a baby king, and say, we declare that you are not just king of the past, that you are king of the present, and you are not just king of the present, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and of the increase of your government, there will be no end, for you shall reign forever and ever. And I want to bow my knee tonight and worship the king. And I hope that we can all do that together as we close out. This is the plan, is that we have this candle lighting thing that happens at the end here that's always fun. And so over here at this door is where you receive a candle. And so we get up and we kind of, it's a little tight in here, and we, we kind of walk around and grab a candle. And then uh, as you, after you get the candle, you kind of form a circle all the way around. And it's not a real candle, so you're not, it's a, a a fake candle, okay? So you're not, you're not going to be burning each other. And uh, we don't trust you guys enough to have real candles. Um, and, uh, and, and of course, the, the song that we're going to sing to end is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Or, or I'm sorry, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And uh, as we sing O Come, All Ye Faithful, faithful we're, just imagine, here we are joining the angelic hosts, those people, those angels who showed up in the heavenlies above the shepherds. They were God's angelic army, and they were singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men on whom his favor rests. And we want to join with them tonight. And we just want to sing, O come, let us adore him. And after that, if we still have time, we'll, we'll be moving into silent night. So uh, what I'd like us to do is, uh, actually, how about we start over here with the Parkers. And uh, you can just come right across the front and grab a, a candle here as the uh, praise team or as our song leaders lead us in the music. Thanks.